All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 30 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Before I send it over to the boys, I would just like to quickly apologize for not having an episode uh, last week that was on me. I was day-to-day uh, due to personal reasons. Uh, but we're back on the mics this, this week, so I appreciate all your guys' understanding, uh, well wishes, and patience with us. So uh, back on the mics. Happy to be here, gentlemen. D, how's it going, buddy? Ah, happy to be here, Brock. It's that time of season when uh, the Leafs are getting my hopes up especially high and just looking forward to April to have those hopes come crashing down at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, congratulations on Ryan O'Reilly. Big trade. Lot, lots happened in the NHL since the last time. Uh, we've chatted. So we will talk about some of the big moves around the NHL on today's show. But first of all, obviously, congratulations on Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, and thank you. I didn't know um, that I would be sitting here in late February thinking, holy shit, the Red Wings might make the playoffs. I still don't think that they're, uh, you know, a good enough team, at least even they're not going to like do much if they make the playoffs. But it'd be fun to watch, you know, maybe four playoff games if they do get there. So <laughs> I, I really didn't think at this point in the season I would have any rooting interest at this point either. But it's good that we all have something to go on right now uh, besides our fantasy hockey teams. Beeps, obviously the Avs working their way back, so you must be happy as well. No, I, I'm like you. I didn't think I'd ha- we'd have a shot this year, Brock. <laughs> I was just getting ready for, you know, the early season golf. Uh, no, they're making it a bit uh, a bit sweatier than it should be right now. That's okay. Um, you know what? They're just uh, 
they're just making making it hard for me this year after an easy year last year. So um, it's uh it's a fun time of year. It's funny. I, I laugh at just the uh, the now trade deadline battle. Toronto makes a move, and then we watch Boston just go, "Hey, we're gonna make a move right back." Um, so you know what? Save some uh save some goodies for the other squads, and uh and yeah, I can't wait to talk about these trades and all the other fun stuff about to happen in hockey. The funniest thing about the Boston Bruins trade, and again, if people aren't aware, which I'm assuming they will be by tomorrow morning, uh, the Bruins acquired Garnett Hathaway and Dmitry Orlov from the Washington Capitals. Um, and the trade was like very, very similar to what the Maple Leafs did for Ryan O'Reilly. They even also used the Minnesota Wild as a third-party broker to uh, retain 25% of Orlov's salary the same way that the Maple Leafs did with O'Reilly's contract. So yeah, a lot of parallels there. Two teams beefing up, uh, great trades for both of those teams. That Eastern Conference is is looking uh, pretty heavy right now. Do you think Minnesota the Wild are the first team? Do you think the Wild are the first team they called? Probably. They're, they're like, like, hey, like, I just, yeah, I just saw what you did. Like, Bill Garrett, hook us Yeah, up. you know Billy G's down. Yeah. Yeah, how many calls do you think he took this week just from teams like, hey, man, you want to uh, you want to take some salary? Saw what you did in Toronto there. But, uh, I hope, hey, I hope mean, he if you can, can do it, do it. Yeah, I hope he knows he can only do it three times. It was funny because people were saying like they were it speculating that, um, you know, that the, they said that there's third team involved retaining some salary and everyone's like, well, I wonder if it's the wild and out of nowhere, the wild, like nobody said anything. None of the insiders said anything in the wild just slid in with their own post. Like, yeah, we retained it. And everyone's like, oh shit, it was the wild again. Love to see it. But anyways, uh, we've got a busy show today. As we said, it's been a couple of weeks. So we are going to cover some of the biggest moves around the league. Uh, we reached out on Twitter to see what you guys really want to hear about. Um, now that most of the trade deadlines have come and gone in the in fantasy hockey, uh, we can't really be talking about buy lows and sell highs. So we are obviously going to be focusing a lot on the waiver wire from here on out. Uh, but almost every single question that we got on Twitter today was in regards to goaltending, specifically depth goaltending and how people can address their goaltending problems. So we will cover that in depth here in the second half of the show. I've got a fantasy hockey uh, strength of schedule specific to goaltenders that will break down to try to identify some of the best uh, targets to pick up on the waiver wire here for the second, you know, not really second half, but the end of the season push here as we come to closer to the fantasy hawk playoffs. But before we get into the second half of the season, let's go to the second half of this week. Dee's going to bring us home with the uh, weekend streamers as he always does. So we'll kick off the, the episode with these weekend streamers and then we will break down all of your goalie questions. After the streamer. So, D, take it away. All righty. We got a pretty busy weekend going on. We got six games on Friday, 11 on Saturday, seven on Sunday. So, your lineup probably looking a little bit fuller on Friday and Sunday uh, than usual. But more than likely, you'll have a couple of open spots. And we'll try to get you a few extra games here. Probably just means more than anything that positional flexibility is actually going to matter on streamers this week. Where uh, usually we can just try to get the best guys in because you got mad spots open but yeah six on friday 11 on saturday seven on sunday there are six teams playing friday sunday so let's roll through them in alphabetical order first we got buffalo in florida friday uh and then facing the capitals at home on sunday so really uh as far as streaming goes what you can find on the wire we're really only going to consider victor olofsson here right wing eligibility 14 percent own he is pointless in his last three, but really always a threat to score a goal. He's got 23 goals on 125 shots this season. Skating on the second line with Cousins and J.J. Paterka, uh, which is nice. He's been in the bottom six a little bit more than usual this season, so nice to see him back on Cousins' wing. Uh, and he's also a feature point on the second power play unit. So 
not on the first unit currently, but he is the one they try to set up uh, and try to get the shot off with when uh, the second unit is out there. So if you're chasing goals this weekend, Olofsson definitely a name to consider. Uh, but other than that, I'm really not looking at the Sabres. All their other useful pieces, uh, you're not going to find them on the wire. Then we got the Kings, who are on Long Island on Friday, and then in New York Sunday, taking on the Rangers. So they got the New York swing this weekend. Pair of difficult matchups. Uh, really expect a couple of low-scoring affairs here. So don't love going after the Kings, but there are still a couple of names worth mentioning here. Philip Deneau, uh talked about him a bunch this year because he's just hovering around that 30% mark. That's where he's at currently. Straight center eligibility. Uh, and Victor Arvidsson. Likewise, been talked about a lot this year because the ownership uh, staying down there, left wing, right wing, really just neither of these guys have taken off this year, but they've been steady all season long, 40 and 39 points, respectively, skating together on the second line and the second power play unit. So if you got a couple spots open and they're both available, uh, might not be a bad idea to stack them this weekend, get double the points on half the goals. Uh, that's always fun when it comes to. Uh, looking at upside here. So Arvidsson's dual wing eligibility could be useful this weekend as well, given how busy it is. Uh, and Fiala actually just moved up to the second line with them tonight in Trevor Moore's absence. Uh, so if that holds over the weekend, that'll just be another boost uh, to the upside of the no and Arvidsson. And then in the deepest of leagues, uh, you can take a punt on Gabe Velarde. Uh, he's one to watch in the coming weeks. If he moves up that lineup, maybe takes Byfield spot on the top line, but currently he's on the fourth line is skating on the top power play unit though. Uh, and then the Wild are in Toronto on Friday at home to the Blue Jackets on Sunday. Difficult matchup on Friday, obviously, against the Leafs, but absolute dream of a matchup at home against the Blue Jackets on Sunday. Unfortunately, the Wild don't score a lot of goals, so it can be tempting to fade them entirely, even with the soft matchup on Sunday. Uh, but Ryan Hartman is definitely a, a great option here. Center, right wing, eligible, 30% owned. Second power play unit, but he is skating with Kaprizov and Zuccarello on the top line at 5v5 and he's heating up with three goals and one assist in his last two games so he's a great option this weekend uh especially if maybe you got a full lineup friday or you're just slow picking him up or maybe you got acquisitions to burn and you want to go elsewhere friday he'll be a really good option sunday uh against the blue jackets just to interject really quick on ryan hartman um we talked about it a little while ago obviously when they moved sam Steele down whether or not moving ryan hartman back up was going to rekindle that chemistry that we saw was so effective a season ago it took a little bit of time, but this line is really starting to find their groove again and looking a little bit more like the line that we saw last year. You know, the goals for per 60 for them right now is 3.78, a little bit higher than their expected goals for, but they're averaging 30 scoring chances, 11 high danger. Those are the type of numbers that you want to see from a line. And uh, Hartman definitely looks like somebody that's a good weekend streamer and potentially could have some value in, in you know, 12, 14 team leagues moving forward. So I like him a lot. Definitely also has an assist tonight too. So add that on to the, the recent hot spell of Ryan Hartman cooking up. Yeah. 65 points, 34 goals last year on that top line. So definitely uh, want to keep an eye on, like you said, Brock, not just this weekend, the Islanders got the Kings at home on Friday and then they're in Winnipeg on Sunday. Um, so a couple of tough matchups there. The Islanders are riddled with injuries right now, and I'm certainly not about to recommend you grab Matt Martin, despite the fact that he's moved up uh, to the top line with Bo <laughs> Horvath and good. Andres Lee. Uh, and yeah, honestly, he's probably a decent option in banger leagues this weekend, especially if you're looking to add some hits to the lineup. He'll continue to hit at the same rate he normally does, but he'll get a few extra minutes uh, in their pair of games. So if you are looking for hits, he's probably is one of the uh, top options. But in standard leagues, uh, I'm not going after him. Otherwise, I, I'm, I'm really only looking uh, for Kyle Palmieri, right wing, 10% owned, playing with Brock Nelson at 5v5, currently skating on the top power play unit as well. Uh, averaging over 19 minutes a game in his last four contests has just a goal and assist to show for it. Um, so not, you know, completely utilizing all that extra ice time he's getting, but still a decent bet to pick up at least a point this weekend with that kind of usage. 
Uh, and then the Maple Leafs also playing Friday, Sunday, but really nobody worth mentioning that you would find on the wire unless you're in a shallower league uh, and Ryan O'Reilly or Michael Bunting are available, but both are owned in over 60% of leagues. And then finally, we got the Jets versus Beavs' Colorado Avalanche on Friday and then taking on the Islanders at home on Sunday. The Jets, as you know, we always uh, seem to talk about in the streamer segment, very top-heavy team, so we're usually lucky to get one decent option to stream out of them. And with Cole Perfetti being placed on the IR Tuesday, it's Mason Appleton taking that distinction this week. Currently 0% owned. Uh, skating on the top line with Shifley and Connor. And while he may not be getting any power play time, he is playing a ton of minutes right now, uh, averaging just over 18 minutes a night in his last three games, picking up two assists during that time. Just two shots on goal in those three games, though. So definitely limits the upside and probably means you'll have better options available to you on the wire. So one for the deep leagues for sure. So recapping, if we're going to put them in order here, talking about the guys under 30% owned, I'd have Hartman at the top of the list. Uh, and then I would go Victor Arvidsson, Philip Deneau in that order. And then we got Kyle Parmeri, Victor Olofsson, and Mason Appleton bringing up the very, very rear. Thoughts, concerns? No, I like it. The, the Jets obviously moving Perfetti to IR is, is a big ding for them. That's a team too that... Um, we feel that some questions on today that they're, they're, they're just not scoring goals out of nowhere right now. It's been a real struggle for them, um, but there's plenty of talent on that team. You think that they're probably going to figure it out sooner rather than later. And yeah, Appleton um, just to kind of further that point, obviously like that's the super deepest of league pickups, but uh, the numbers with Connor Shifley and Appleton have actually been really impressive and, and believe it or not, uh, Connor and Shifley's numbers have actually improved with Mason Appleton as opposed to without Mason Appleton, which I wouldn't have assumed was the case. But uh, he Best seems player to on fit, the line. Yeah, he seems to fit pretty well on that line for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, the Winnipeg Jets need to start scoring some goals soon because I know the Shifley, the Connor, the Wheeler, the Dubois owners are probably getting a little restless right now. There you go. Uh, and now we're going to set the stage for the second half here. Talk about some backup goalies to go after this weekend. Um, so we'll start actually with the Friday schedule. So a few teams going Thursday, Friday, that might be worth keeping an eye on uh, a couple of coin flip matchups here. If you just want to risk it and go for the win, Phoenix Copley is starting for the Kings tonight. So it'll be Jonathan quick on long Island against the Islanders on Friday. Uh, again, there'll probably be a slight dog in that game, but if you're chasing wins, uh, you could certainly be, or you could certainly do a lot worse than quick on long Island. Uh, and then Eric Comrie starting tonight for Buffalo. Brock, you got any insight into whether that means it'll be UPL or Craig Anderson uh, in Florida tomorrow? I would imagine it's going to be Craig Anderson um, just because UPL looked awful against the Maple Leafs. (laughs) Um, And then just the fact that he hasn't played very well at all recently. Craig Anderson has been pretty steady all year. I'm imagining that they went with Comrie tonight just to give Anderson that extra day off because he's obviously getting up there in age. So, I would be pretty shocked if it wasn't Craig Anderson tomorrow, but we shall see. Um, it's certainly going to be him or UPL, but I, I lean towards Craig Anderson. Well, there you go. And Anderson yeah. just Craig's actually unknown. Sorry, I was going to say when Craig Anderson goes, he's actually a good start. It's just with that age, he's impossible to own. So, uh, so he makes a great, you know, play when when you can. I think that's where you're going, D. Yeah, eleven percent owned, so he'll be available again. They're going to be slight underdogs in Florida tomorrow, but uh, you could do a lot worse. You know, there's going to carry some risk to your splits for sure. Uh, but I'd say, you know, Vegas will probably give him about a 45% chance to take home the W for you tomorrow night. Uh, and then moving on to Saturday. So again, these are the teams going Friday, Saturday, uh, potentially looking at getting some backups in, uh, into your lineup on Saturday. Again, that's the busier slate. So, you know, might not even be looking at a goalie, but if you are, we got a few options here again, starting with the coin flips, we've got the senators in Montreal on Saturday after taking on Carolina, 
uh, on Friday. Talbot activated off the IR, so got to imagine he's getting the start in Carolina tomorrow, and hopefully that means Matt Sogard at 11% owned gets the second game in Montreal. Uh, there'll be slight favorites in that game. So again, if you want to chase the win, that's a decent option uh, because there are other two options on Saturday could potentially be owned in your league. The first one here uh, in what I call the favored to win category, uh, Colorado versus Calgary on Saturday, the avalanche are in Winnipeg on Friday. So that should hopefully open up Pavel Francois 29% owned to get the second game versus the flames who are really struggling right now uh, at home on Saturday. So that'll be uh, a solid option, but the best watch start of the weekend and even if you have two goalies going already, you might want to make room for this one, especially if you're looking for the win. Probably won't rack up a ton of saves, but anti-Ranta, 42% owned. Um, more than likely getting the game against Anaheim on Saturday. Carolina, as we already mentioned, playing the Senators at home on Friday before hosting the Ducks on Saturday. So we'll see how it shakes out because they've been battling a little bit. But um, I would still think it's going to be Freddie tomorrow night in Ottawa, which would open up the door for Ranta to take um, take on the Ducks at home on Saturday. and. Uh, I had that one written down in the free dub category because Carolina are honestly going to be at least 77, 80% favorites to take home that game uh, at home against the Ducks. So uh, if you can get Ranta in your lineup, you'll, you'll probably be adding a free win uh, to your totals this week. Um, back up on, on Frank, Frank, Frank goes Frank Franco's out in Colorado there. Um, they are worried that he's still going to be hurt. Um, so just kind of be antsy with that one. They're talking about a Gorgia double start, but right now they got Jonas Johansson called up. So, I mean, if you, if, if they don't give Gorgia the back to back, which they did do last week, um, then JJ becomes an option. If you're in that desperate situation, uh, kind of rules the same way as, uh, as Frank who's there. Definitely. Yeah. And, and they could maybe go back to, uh, justice, uh, Anunin. He, he came up he last week and he looked pretty solid. So He's I think big. more often than not, they, they're going to call up, uh, Jonas Johansson just to serve as the backup. They do not trust him to start any hockey games. Um, and then if they're not going to go to Gorgiev, you're probably going to see Justice come back up and, and and then likely start that game. So I think he he would probably be the guy to go to if if Francois is still sidelined, which looks pretty likely. Um, just to further your point there about Cam Talbot D, uh, he was in the starters net at practice this afternoon, um, which typically is a sign that he will start tomorrow. Not always the case with you know the day before, but. Um, certainly a sign that looks like Cam Talbot's going to be back on Friday, opening the door for either uh, Matt Sogard or Kevin Mandelizzi to start on the weekend. Mandelizzi down right now, though, right? Yeah, it, it's most likely going to be Sogard. It, it's interesting to see how that's all kind of shaken out. Like, Mandelizzi played incredibly so- well, probably outplayed Sogard. Um, but yeah, it looks like Sogard's probably the guy to remain on the roster at the moment. Say, Sogard even played good in his own. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Sogard mode. Yeah, yeah. Sogard was didn't play poorly, but so uh, Mandelizzi looked really, really good. Uh, and then we got a few starts to talk about on Sunday as well. I uh, got another coin flip for you guys here. Washington are in Buffalo on Sunday after taking on the Rangers at home on Saturday. So Charlie Lindgren, eighteen percent owned. Uh, he's playing tonight, so you got to expect Kemper to get back in the net on Saturday against the Rangers. Uh, and then for them to go back to Charlie on Sunday in Buffalo. So Washington are actively getting worse right now, just traded away Orlov and Hathaway. Uh, but again, they'll probably still be slight favorites in Buffalo there. So a decent option because, uh, you know, people are going to be looking to start some goalies on Sunday. Uh, and then again, we got a couple in the slightly favored to win category Rangers versus the Kings on Sunday at Washington on Saturday. So expect Chesterkin to get the game on Saturday, leaving Yaroslav Holak 9% owned. Uh, who is starting tonight, so it'll almost certainly, again, be Shesty on Saturday uh, and then Halak on Sunday at home against the Kings. So the Kings, you know, they're not an easy out, but you got to like the Rangers to take home that game on home ice. 
Uh, and then the last option of the weekend here, we got the Lightning are going to be in Pittsburgh on Sunday after being or taking on the Red Wings in Detroit on Saturday. So there's a chance they give Brian Elliott 5% owned uh, the start on Saturday against the Red Wings. Um, we'll have to kind of watch and see where that one goes. They've done that before this year, given Elliott the first, the back-to-back, especially if it looks to be like the easier matchup. Um, so who knows? We'll see how that plays out. Just keep an eye on it Saturday. Again, if you're looking for maybe improve your options on Saturday and he does go uh, in Detroit, obviously Elliott will be a solid option there as well. Uh, but I'd be fine starting him uh, on the road in Pittsburgh on Sunday. So just to go through all these again, if I'm going to rank them in order, we got Ranta versus Anaheim, assuming he does start that game. Brancos versus the Flames, uh, and obviously I'd drop it down a bit, depending if it's going to be um, one of the third stringers that you guys mentioned there. Um, but if Francois is healthy, I feel really good about making space for him in the lineup on Saturday. Uh, and then after that, you know, it's kind of dealer's choice, but I I'd probably go Yarrow Halak versus the Kings and then Elliot, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, Lingren versus Buffalo. And then I think any combination of, of quick UPL, uh, or I guess that would be Anderson, uh, and Sogard. So a bunch of options there for you. If Rancher's available now, just go pick him up. Uh, cause he'll be worth starting either game, but hopefully, uh, like we said, we'll get the nod on Saturday. Yeah, yeah Halak right I, I don't now, know if you can't lose. I yeah, Halak's been playing well. I, I don't know if it's just the, the Red Wing fan in me, but it seems like um, obviously we've been pretty bad for a few years, but it seems like we always see Brian Elliott, so I wouldn't be surprised if Elliott ends up getting that game. But, man, the way the Penguins are playing right now, it looks like the Red Wings are maybe the more dangerous opponent, so maybe they, they get Vasilevsky in there against Detroit and save uh, Elliott for the Penguins, which is shocking to say here in February. I don't know when the last time that uh, was the case, but – as always, D, terrific stuff with the streamers. Make sure you're rushing to the waiver wire. Pick up those guys in order of D's priority because he has had these streamers on lockdown all season long. Yeah, this is stuff that wins weeks. Absolutely. So let's fire it over to the Blue Stones really quickly. When we get back, we will be talking about the goalies. It has been a crazy year in the crease, and we're going to make sure that you've got the right guys on your team down the stretch to win a championship. So enjoy the Blue Stones for the next 60 seconds. We'll see you guys back Baby in the Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 30 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I hope you enjoyed those sweet, sweet tunes from the Blue Stones. All right, so we told you we we're going to talk about goalies, and that is what we are here to do. So what I've done is I've put together a strength of schedule for each team uh, from here out to the remainder of the season. So it's not specific to the fantasy hockey playoffs or not specific uh, to you know just the end of the regular season. It is from here on out to the end of the regular season. As we inch closer to the playoffs, maybe in a week's time, I will do it just for the fantasy hockey playoffs. But for now, you got to get to the playoffs to win the playoffs. So let's take a look at the best schedules down the stretch. And we are going to start off with the easiest schedule and 24 games remaining. The Dallas Stars with the easiest schedule uh, by a wide margin as well. So just to give you some context, this is based solely off of their opponent's offensive ability. It does not take in how good they are on defense and how likely they are to get the win. It is strictly based on how many times are they going to give up a shitload of goals or how many times do they face teams that are just not good offensively. So by a wide margin, the Dallas Stars with the easiest strength of schedule down the stretch for their goaltenders. Not really a whole lot to talk about here uh, other than the fact that Jake Ottinger is elite and remains yeah. elite. He should be absolutely outstanding down the stretch. Scott Wedgwood, uh, a little bit banged up right now. Should be you know fine in, in a couple of days, but uh, always makes for a pretty sturdy uh, spot start option as well if you need it. But um, not really a whole lot to talk about with the Dallas Stars. The second easiest schedule is the Seattle Kraken. Um, they also have 24 games remaining, and both of their goalies are pretty wide, widely available on the waiver wire at the moment. Um, but the one guy who's really generating a lot of buzz and um, is the one that you should be going to the wire to pick up is Philip Grubauer. He is just 34% owned um, and he's really caught some fire. So obviously uh, his struggles a season ago were very, very well documented. Um, and the start of this year was kind of a lot of the same thing, but in his last nine starts, he is five, two and two with a nine twenty six save percentage. So Biebs, you watched a lot of Philip Grubauer during his time with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we did like him coming into last season. We, we we kind of always backed him last year because the Kraken were so good uh, defensively, and we, we expected him to turn around at some point. It never happened, but he seems to have figured it out now. Yeah, it was uh, – I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, but we did have our second half kind of goalies to target, ones that were lower owned, and, and I went – or goalies that could kind of bounce back, take a job, and I went with Philip Grubauer. And uh, it was it was almost too obvious just with how good defensively this team is. You did mention that they were they were good last year, and he played like total shit. So him playing 
anywhere good. It was something we were asking for in that episode. And basically it's almost like Philip G was listening because he has just been a wagon since you mentioned those numbers there. Um, this is a team that, that allows the third least amount of shots per game. Um, and then as far as goals per game, they've kind of slipped up lately, but they are middle of the pack and 16th in the league on goals per game. Even that's pretty solid. If you're getting a small amount of shots and your team's not letting in a lot of goals, if he just keeps playing like he is, uh, that's all they need. And Martin Jones has sh- given them other than wins, nothing to really hang on to there. I meant, I don't want to, you know, uh, bang the same drum, but basically in that episode, all I was saying is Jones is kind of losing the job. Well, regardless of having a great record, that save percentage, that goals against average is terrible. Um, so, you know, I, I really like Grubauer here. I think we're going to continue to see those numbers between the two teeter closer to each other. Um, and, uh, and, and it, it, it's great to see, you know, when, when you hit it, sometimes it's just nice. Nice to sit back and just be like, yeah, thanks Billy G. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I like, I like him going forward, especially with this. Sorry, D go ahead. Get, no, I, get I, uh, I agree. I was just going to say that in points leagues, he's maybe not quite as valuable simply because they don't give up that many shots yeah. and they're not going to win as many games, you know, as the Carolina hurricanes do, you know, uh, no reason I bring up the hurricanes because they lead the league in uh, shot attempts against. Um, but yeah, you're obviously going to be able to pick up a lot more wins there than you will with the Kraken. Just not a ton of goal support, but I agree. I think they're uh, clearly one of the best defensive teams in the NHL, we've been waiting for Grubauer just to figure it out. He was one of the most consistent goalies in the league throughout his entire career up until the point where he went to Seattle. Um, so it's not terribly surprising to see him regaining some of that form. And I, I agree, one of the better pickups you can go out and get because we saw uh, how useful Martin Jones was for about a two or three month stretch there while uh, returning some pretty pedestrian splits. So it doesn't take a lot uh, to be a serviceable fantasy goaltender when you got a defensive team like that in front of you. Yeah, just to give you an idea of how big the struggles have been for Martin Jones in the last month, he's gone two and five with an 869 save percentage. So uh, a lot of our chatter about Martin Jones early in the season was just like, where did this come from? Because he had shown no signs of life for basically like five years and then had really kind of figured it out. And, and it, I think it just kind of reminded us just how quality of a defensive team this Seattle Kraken uh, team is. And I, I think the one thing that we can probably add on Grubauer and on the Kraken is that this is a, a playoff team, a team that is, is probably going to make some additions, you would think, in the next week and, and maybe get even a little bit better. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting, like, you hear a, a lot of these these player names come up and you never hear anybody linked to Seattle, but you have to think, you know, they've got the cap space, they've got um, a team that's going to make the playoffs, they're probably going to want to add a couple pieces and maybe – um, that improves Grubauer's chances as well. If for whatever reason Grubauer is not available on your waiver wire, and maybe Martin Jones is, which is probably unlikely since Martin Jones is owned 20% more leagues, uh, Martin Jones is probably okay. He'll probably bounce back a little bit. I don't think he'll be quite as bad as he's been in his last seven starts. I also don't think he'll be as good as he was in his first 20 or 25 starts of the season. So some the truth lies probably somewhere in the Who would you rather have? Definitely Grubauer at this point. Yeah, Without so if you are a Jones owner, you might be able to swing a uh, a, a trade. <laughs> I mean, the trade deadline's pretty much over. But if you are in one of those weird leagues where you have a couple more days worth a try, because um, I personally too, Grubauer all day. I think uh, D is in the same boat, floating with us. Yeah, it's whatever the way the tide turns uh, at the current time, and it's definitely le- or lending or leaning in Grubauer's favor for sure. He gets to start tonight against the 
Boston Bruin. So it'll be see, it'll be interesting to see how he fares about against one of the best, if not the best team in the NHL. At 42 the safe shutout. Yeah, perhaps. Okay, so next on the list, the Minnesota Wild have the third easiest schedule remaining this season for goaltenders. And of course, we've got to talk about usually the streaming darling, Philip Gustafson, but his own percentage has finally climbed up to 63%. So chances are he's probably not widely available in your leagues. But if he is, if you're in a shallower league, this is a guy that seems to be getting more and more starts every time, though it looks like he's going to just kind of finally wrestle this job away from Marc-Andre Fleury completely. Marc-Andre Fleury puts up a 30-save shutout like he did tonight against the Blue Jackets. But Gustafson has been outstanding. I like really – he has been so consistent, so good. There has not really been any blips in the radar here uh, for Gustafson. He has just been steady as she goes all season long. Um, and if you take a look at kind of his most recent stretch, it's been, you know, spectacular. In uh, in his last six games, he's gone 4-0-1 with a 9.50 save percentage. Small sample size to be sure, but if you go back to the middle of November, he's 14-4-1 with a 9.37 save percentage in his last 20 starts. So he has just been the model of consistency. Obviously, the Wild are content to... Give him a lot of starts, but not completely overwork him. They're, you know, they're obviously giving money to Marc-Andre Fleury. They're obviously going to give him starts. But if he's available and they have the third easiest schedule and he starts 60% of the games down the stretch, Philip Gustafson really could be one of the best fantasy goalies from this moment forward. D, you've been preaching Philip Gustafson's name basically every single week on the streaming targets. So what more do you have to add on Philip Gustafson? Yeah, not a whole lot. Like you said, it, it you know, the shutout from Fleury a little bit disappointing if you're a Gustafson owner, you know, knowing that they went with flurry in the easier matchup. But I think that just kind of speaks to the confidence they have and where this uh, goaltender situation is at right now. Uh, and that they clearly view him as their number one goalie, right? I mean, you obviously the usage over the last few weeks speaks for itself, but the fact that they, uh, you know, put flurry in net for the first of those two games uh, going up against the blue jackets and saving Gustafson for the Leafs tomorrow night. Uh, yeah. I think it speaks volumes. Um, and you honestly don't need to dig too deep into it. He's second in the league in goals against average and save percentage. If you want to be really superficial about it, uh, which is really what we're after here at the end of the day, uh, behind just Linus Allmark. So yeah, I think he is a, a top option going forward. And I, I think he's going to end up being one of the real league winners, uh, come season's end. Cause he, you got a top five, top 10 fantasy goalie here. Um, that was on the wire for months. Beams, anything to add on, uh, on Gustafson? Nope. Uh, he's D's darling for a reason. And, you know, you love to see someone like that rise up to where they deserve to be in the ownership. <laughs> Next on the list is the San Jose Sharks. So the issue here, obviously, with the Sharks is that we do not anticipate by, you know, this time next week that yeah, uh, certainly Timo Meyer is not going to be on that team, potentially not Eric Carlson. So the Sharks mm. are probably due to take a step in the wrong direction. With that said, they have been pretty surprising all season long. Um, you know, even defensively, they haven't been too, too terrible. Obviously, a lot of the big surprises from them has come from Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson. So if they're both gone, it doesn't leave a whole lot left to work with. But at the end of the day, James Reimer has, you know, played pretty well. He had a nice 26 save shutout against uh, the Seattle Kraken the other night. The other thing that's interesting is James Reimer currently sitting at 22% owned he could also be one of these guys yeah. who ends up getting moved before next week's trade deadline. Um, I don't know how serviceable he'll be depending on where he goes. He could be the number one starter. Maybe he goes to Buffalo and he kind of takes over at the job there or, you know, a similar situation. 
Um, so James Reimer, probably not somebody that you really want to invest a lot of stock in while he's playing on the San Jose Sharks, but perhaps somebody that you might want to add um, for next week. And if he gets traded to a contender and ends up playing more than we expect, I think James Reimer could be okay down the stretch. I could totally see Buffalo just rolling four goalies. Like, yeah, no, this is totally cool. And just uh, Craig Anderson playing every fifth night. But um, yeah, no, they're going to get scary in a couple days. So maybe grab him and enjoy it for a week. But uh, yeah, James is, uh, they're going to, it's going to get ugly in San Jose soon. Um, and that's just the way the, the Bedard show goes. Uh, people wanting him, uh, the fantasy teams get bad. And you do not want those goalies. So yeah, unless he gets dealt. Not for me. I, I'm probably passing. I, I think barring an injury, I just have a hard time imagining him going to a team that's going to help him farm more wins while, you know, he's going to be the clear cut number one choice. You know, I, I just don't really think there's a fit for that. I, I if there is um, some of these teams that are maybe not feeling hundred percent about their goaltending. Uh, I think Reimer is probably more of an insurance option. I, I think teams that are, are looking to do something about their goaltending are probably looking more towards the Corpus Allo, uh, or maybe even asking questions on Marc-Andre Fleury. Cause the Wilds seem kind of in between and what they're trying to do this year. And obviously they got Gustafson either way. So, yeah, I think the one other spot he could potentially go, I don't really expect anything to happen, but you have to think maybe if the LA Kings are looking to do something, I don't think they would ever do that to Jonathan quick, but it's been a nightmare there. Obviously Copley stepped up and filled in pretty admirably, but it seems like if it's not Phoenix Copley yeah. between the pipes, they're just getting lit up. So, and do you um, trust Phoenix Copley in a playoff series? I mean, he's given them every reason to trust him to this point. They signed I would trust him more extension. than, I would trust him more than James Reimer. I think yeah. I would as well. But yeah, at, if anything happens there, then you got to turn to quick. Is your whole season, you know, is quick going to step up in the playoffs? Cal Peterson's still alive. No. Yeah. yeah he's he, there. He's he wasn't chilling. particularly good either. I'm not saying that they the paid Kings are in on. Year. <laughs> I'm not saying that the Kings are in on James Reimer by any stretch, but I'm just trying to think of teams where sure. he could go and insider potentially Brock. still carry a little bit of value. No, not insider. I, I do here, think so. that's like best case is that he'll go somewhere with maybe he plays more than the average backup. But um, yeah, I don't. I have a hard time imagining him getting traded into a starter spot barring an injury between now and the deadline. We're, we're trying to find some league winners here, and James Reimer certainly not going to be that guy most likely. Uh, mm. The St. Louis Blues are next. There's really <laughs> not a whole lot to talk about about the Blues. Obviously, they're selling um, Bennington's high owned and he sucks you're not, not going to add uh thomas race at this moment in, unless you know he's a decent spot starter option at times but overall not a whole lot to talk about about the blues the pittsburgh penguins are next the pittsburgh penguins have been playing some absolutely abysmal hockey uh as of late they just cannot seem to get anything going and it's pretty wild because you know there was a period of time there in in, in december where they won seven in a row um you know, there was a period of time in, in January, I believe it was, where um, Evgeny Malkin seemed like he scored like every single night. And then now they just cannot, they cannot win hockey games. They, they lost 5-4 to an Islanders team that has nobody left. They lost 5-2 to the New Jersey Devils. They lost 4-2 to the Islanders, nobody on the team. Yeah. And then they Tonight just hit double, double digits. Yeah. murdered by the uh, Edmonton Oilers tonight. So it's been a real big issue for the Penguins. So I'm not so sure how much stock I want to invest in Penguins goaltending at the moment. The defense just has not played very well in front of their goaltenders. But Tristan Barry, it's worth mentioning, came back from injury, really struggled, as I mentioned, against the Islanders. He ended up getting pulled against the Oilers tonight. So perhaps there's something there with Casey DeSmith if he ends up playing well. Um, the problem with Casey Smith is he's been pretty inconsistent throughout the season. Um, he's had many 43 save performances and many games where he's given up five goals. So D this is your boy, Casey DeSmith. So are you latching, uh, your fantasy hopes and dreams to the Penguins goaltending at all right now? 
I think if I'm desperate, he's a decent flyer to kind of throw at, at the bottom of your roster. And certainly there's going to be some fantasy teams out there that are desperate for goaltending. Uh, if you have the roster spot and you have Yari and maybe you haven't dropped the Smith yet, or you did drop him when he came back, might not be the worst idea to pick him back up as insurance. But I do think, and I, we've been down this road so many times before, and as a DeSmith truther, we've been burned one too many times. And I, I do think that it's easy to kind of look at Yari's first two starts and say, okay, he's coming off the injury list. You know, yes, he was only on it for about, what, three weeks, but he was on it for another two or three weeks right yeah, before that, only like one or two games. So I think it's really easy to look at that and just chalk it up to some rust. It's not quite comfortable yet. Maybe he hasn't quite shaken off the injury. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I think Yari is going to give get every chance to get it right. And the biggest thing, you know, you brought it up, the Smith just kind of fumbled the ball a little bit when he got his opportunity, didn't put up the splits that we're used to seeing out of him. Um, and that's kind of been his MO, unfortunately, is whenever they've had to lean on him, he's kind of shied away uh, from the spotlight a little bit. So I'm a little bit more down on him than I've been in the last few seasons. Because, um, yeah, I think they're going to give Yari every chance to get back in there. Because, you know, DeSmith, probably a guy that doesn't lose you games, but Yari's been a guy that's shown that he can actually win you some games that you might not deserve to win. And the Penguins definitely need that right now. So I think they're going to look uh, to get Yari back to full form more than anything. So without another injury, which obviously could happen the year Yari's had, uh, I, like I said, I, I got, you know, uh, small expectations for DeSmith, but I, I think more than anything, he's a good insurance policy for Yari right now. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's kind of too bad for DeSmith. I feel like if any other year he was playing, he has in, what, the last eight, nine years with Pittsburgh, he would just have that job right now, and they would just be letting Yari kind of work his way in slowly. But with what's going on, I don't think that they can trust DeSmith going forward if they do, say, make the playoffs. Right now they're in, they're fighting. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I think that's why it kind of goes against him, and, and that's why Yari's going to get the chances. But like you said, you know, he's kind of a Band-Aid this year, so – Yari goes down and get ready to jump on that waiver wire because DeSmith should give you something. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned still a little bit just because, like I said, the Penguins have struggled defensively. Take a look at expected goals against the whole season this year. They are 10th worst in the league, sandwiched between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Philadelphia Flyers. Not the really the territory that you want to be in. Those two teams have had their struggles. Next on the list is the Los Angeles Kings. We talked about Phoenix Coffee a little bit already. He's really just come in and been not only the King savior, but I'm sure a, a savior of a lot of fantasy hockey teams mm-hmm. as well. And we were kind of on the ball here with him right away. So I'm hoping our listeners uh, scooped him up because we talked pretty highly about him uh, kind of right from the jump. And he's been nothing short of spectacular in his uh, first 24 starts. He did lose tonight, I believe, in overtime to the New Jersey Devils, giving up mm-hmm. four goals. Uh, but prior to tonight, he won 17 of his first 24 appearances, going 17-4-1 with a 9.04 save percentage. So we kind of talked about it a lot, right? This is a team, the complete opposite of the Pittsburgh Penguins, that is very, very good defensively. Top 10 um, in terms of expected goals against on the season, and they just needed some competent goaltending, somebody that can make you know, play league average. And that's really all that Phoenix Copley has done. He's coming and giving him a 905 save percentage and he's won 17 games of 24. Like it's really all that they've needed and it's been perfect. So he's definitely not going to be a splits darling. He's certainly not somebody that's going to hands down win you a fantasy hockey week by himself, like like an Ilya Sorokin can, but he's going to give you serviceable numbers. He's going to give you wins. And at the end of the day, this is, we're probably talking about your third, fantasy yeah. hockey goalie and that's really all you're looking for is some stability at that point and, and and he's certainly giving you that yeah, yeah. copley's like your side hustle right it's a little bit of supplementary <laughs> income here to help you get by in the lean weeks maybe your starter's got a couple back-to-backs and you only get one or two games out of them 
Um, and yeah, he's more than anything too. Like you can count on him to really not get shelled. Like that's been his strength this year. He's been able to limit the damage and obviously the Kings limiting the shots against helps with that as well. Um, so we can kind of pad the stats in that sense. Even if he doesn't pick up the win, it's another game with around, as we've been saying, a league average save percentage, and it just helps uh, your big boys shine that much more. So uh, yeah, you're probably not feeling great if he's your number one goalie, but even then you could do worse because no. they're, you know, a decent coin flip to win on, on any given night. So just to give you an idea of what you're saying, he hasn't really been blown up too many times. He's given up four plus goals, just five times in 24 appearances. Um, he's given up three goals a couple times, but in every single one of the games that he's given up three goals, he's won those hockey games. Only yeah. once has he Nowadays, given up less three, than dude. three goals and lost a game this season. So his MO is three or less and he's winning hockey games. And that's really all you need to do. We've talked about that um, in years past, kind of with Maple Leafs goalies. It's just like, or Oilers goalies. It's like, just if you can hold them to three, they're going to probably win the hockey game. And that's exactly what Phoenix coffee has done because the Kings have been pretty steady defensively, pretty solid offensive team as well. I, I find it hilarious that you, you talk about him only having five games um, over four goals when Elvis Merzlik is his uh, goals against average is above four. And I believe there's another starting goalie right now in the same boat. Just hilarious. Just to show some goalies that we, people were actually drafting that kind of blew up this year. But no, I, uh, I think Copley, one thing with him being at 58% owned, he's probably sitting there in a lot of leagues where people do have three goalies. And uh, at that point, I wouldn't even hesitate to grab four. I, uh, I did it with off D this year. He grabbed Copley early. I traded some draft picks for him and nights like tonight, I could kind of flex him out. I didn't want him playing New Jersey, but a couple nights ago he had a cheeky matchup and, uh, and he pulled out a shutout. So he has his nights. And when you have four goalies, you can play matchups. You'll, you're, you're usually going to have better ones. Um, I had Swayman going. So whenever that happens, you go there and then Skinner. So, for if you can have that ability, that flexibility, that can really help you, like you said, win a playoff series, win these late series that you need. And uh, in LA, you know, it's great knowing that he's usually not going to get blown up. So hilarious that you bring up Elvis Merzlikens. I looked up his numbers as you were saying. Elvis Merzlikens has actually given up six plus goals as many times as Phoenix Copley has given up four plus goals. So oh. Merzlikens has certainly had his fair share of struggles. Yeah. He looked like somebody who was going to be. Uh, a pretty good goalie, and it just has completely fallen off the map. And, and Corpus Al has actually had a, a pretty nice bounce back year. He's got nine thirteen. Uh, Vancouver Canucks are next on the list. I, the only reason we bring them up is basically Thatcher Demko's kind of potential return here. He's still hovering around sixty four percent. I'm imagining that that's climbed in recent days with his return pending. It seemed like he was actually nearing a return. Then there was rumors of a potential setback. The Canucks kind of said, "No, he's just needs a little bit more time." Uh, so no, Demko, we're just tanking. That's all. Yeah, still sixty-four. Yeah. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, pretty easy schedule down the stretch. I actually, um, the Canucks have been playing pretty well since trading Bo Horvat. Anthony Beauvillier has fit into that lineup really, really well. Mm. Beauvillier, Elias Lindholm, and um, Kuzmenko nope, have been absolutely dominant. Just absolutely love that. Elias, Elias <laughs> What did I say? Lindholm. Oh, sorry, Elias Patterson, uh, Kuzmenko, and Anthony Beauvillier. They've been absolutely outstanding at the top of that lineup. JT Miller has been okay in that second line, and then they've obviously – their depth is great. But anyways, long story short, they've been playing pretty well since the trade, better than I think people were kind of expecting that they would. Uh, overall, they have not been a very good defensive team, but they've been right around league average. So I do think that Demko could come back and be somebody that could be pretty serviceable down the stretch, especially now that we, we factor in that they've got the eighth easiest strength of schedule for goalies. So – um 
the other thing, like it, it is interesting, like to think about how they are probably not trying to win too many hockey games. They're probably not going to ride Demko into the ground because they don't want to re-injure him. Uh, they're obviously trying to get Silvo some some outings because he looks like a potential goalie of the future for them as well, or somebody that they can lean on in, in coming years. Um, but other than Silvo, they really don't have a whole lot to turn to. Like Colin Delia has struggled mightily. Spencer Martin might be worse than Elvis Merzlikins. So. Uh, Demko should play, yeah. you know, sixty yeah. percent of the games. I would imagine when he gets back, something like that. They're certainly not going to, because um, what did he start last year? Like at one point, he basically started every single game for them for a stretch. That's certainly he not going to started sixty one, appeared in sixty four games. Yeah, I remember though. I swear he went on a stretch where he started like fourteen, in and a they row have a lack, like right? Last year uh, as their backup. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so, so that was like a completely serviceable backup. It's interesting, though, to note, obviously, he had his fair share of struggles to start the season in 83 save yeah. percentage. But prior to this year, uh, been pretty good in his, in his three full NHL seasons, 913 save percentage. Uh, I believe I, it was me that pegged him as my breakout goalie of the year this year. Uh, obviously, the injuries didn't help. Uh, the, yeah, the injuries didn't help. The fact that the Canucks just were way worse than everybody expected um, didn't help. But what do you guys think here? Like, of the goalies we've talked about, I, I think obviously Gusterson is probably the top dog. Uh, Grubauer, Copley, DeSmith are kind of in, in a similar boat. And then, like, where would you guys rank Demko amongst these remaining goalies? D, we'll start with you. He's a more of a wait and see for me, which you probably do have the luxury of. If he's available out there, he still has the IR status right now. If you have an IR spot available to you, or if he's just still currently on your IR. Um, I just, you know, it's going to limit your roster flexibility a little bit, but I would wait to take him off the IR as long as possible. Um, cause yeah, depending how he looks coming out of it, you might just want to let him go right to the waiver wire. Cause if, if he doesn't look anywhere near, you know, his, the form that he displayed over the last two seasons, he's not going to be worth owning, but if he can get back anywhere close to that nine fifteen save percentage. And like you said, Brock, they've been playing better at five V five. They're scoring a lot of goals. Uh, he could definitely be a serviceable goalie, but you look at their upcoming games, they got the Bruins, the Stars, the Wild, and the Maple Leafs. So ideally, I'm not taking him off my IR until, you know, next Saturday, March 4th, uh, after they play the Maple Leafs. Maybe he gets a game or two next week, uh, and you can kind of get a feel for where he's at before the schedule gets a little softer. They got the Preds, the Ducks, Sens, Stars, Coyotes, Kings, Ducks after that. So there's some pretty serviceable starts in there. I said the Ducks at least twice. So that's two times where you'd, he'd be a legitimate spot start if nothing else. So, uh, yeah, like I said, it might limit your roster flexibility a little bit, but I would wait to take him off the air as long as possible. Even if you have to, I'd keep him on the bench for those games and really just see where he's at before you decide whether or not you want to spot start him against uh, the weaker teams. And we could see what Thatcher we have the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, you you talked about how difficult their schedule is next week. And we're talking about him having one of the easiest schedules remaining. So if we looked at what the strength of schedule is this time next week, he might have the easiest remaining schedule after next week, because it, it lightens up. Obviously if, if he's got um, that difficult of a schedule next week after that, yeah. things must be just an absolute gravy chain for the Vancouver Canucks. So I do think Demko um, is somebody that, that is certainly interesting here down the stretch. And, and who knows, man, he could really come back and be in peak form and, and, and be an awesome number three goalie for you. Uh, Beebs, what do you got on that? Yeah, not to stop the Demko train uh, when when it's rolling on the tracks, but if we're going to talk about San Jose um, losing a couple pieces, I think we do have to mention Vancouver as well. We've already seen Luke Shen get pulled out of the lineup. People might laugh, but it's still Luke Shen. He still is a lot better than Christian Willinen or Ethan Bear, who are in their top four right now. Um, they also have Riley Stillman and Kyle Burrow in their six. So if they stick to this 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 
these six defensemen. I just don't see it getting as much as it has been good per se for Vancouver so far this year. I think that with, even though they do have an easy schedule with just these defensemen, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough battle. And a lot of times there's going to be these, a lot of these guys are are new to the NHL. They're going to be getting bodied out there. And I just, I don't love it, but at the same time, you're right in the sense you can stash them in your IR slot. um, If he, if it does work out and, you know, maybe, for some reason, Vancouver doesn't deal a couple of these guys. They pull a an Arizona and they hang on to Chitrin, which is what's going to end up happening. Um, and they do the same idea. Then maybe they just continue to be good and you can ride Demko. But uh, as far as a guy like Philip Grubauer, we're looking at Seattle with the second best schedule that we're talking about um, going forward, where Vancouver has the ninth best, even with these tough games. And we're talking about a team that basically is doing what we, what we, we want Vancouver to do in front of Demko. Um, and they're going to do it while fighting for a playoff spot in Seattle um, and getting better. So I think that I, I like a lot of these names a lot more than Demko, but um, yeah, I just, I still can't believe he's 64% owned. It's yeah. I think like, mind. it's just cause well, one, the ownership's probably cause he's just and, not a lot of people's yeah. IR, right? Um, he's just been so good previously. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that. yeah. that's the best thing about it, right? Is you could pick him up, especially going into next week when you probably don't need to make a lot of pickups until closer to the middle of the week. The fact that you can pick him up and not even have him take up a roster spot. And like I said, get a look at him before you decide if you actually want uh, to make room for him or not. So um, yeah, I, I agree that there's some other names that are a lot more attractive uh, than Demko that we talked about. Um, but, you know, after those top three or four guys, if oh, Demko's yes, healthy, totally. he's probably going to start more games than anyone else we're going to talk about here. Right. So uh, like I said, it's, it's worth just kind of keeping tabs on him because, uh, if he reclaims his old form, uh, he could definitely help out some teams down the stretch. Next on the list is the Anaheim Ducks. Probably not going to talk about them a whole lot. They have actually been playing a little bit better as of late. Um, Didn't they lose their last seven games? I'm just—they've been more competitive. They, okay. won, they won, but they've they been, won tonight for the record. Yeah, and they've been a lot—they've they've been a lot more competitive. They've been scoring Sorry, more goals. Like they were just kind of—they were just kind of a doormat there for a little while. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I agree. they've definitely been better. But anyways, Hold on. Hold um, on. what's their goal differential? John Klinberg learned how to play a tiny bit of defense. It is minus 101. The next closest oh in the league is minus 66. God. So I think that's all we need to say. Oh, about I think goaltending. John Gibson's another one with an above four gold against average. For the, that probably adds up. The fun ones. There's talk about him potentially getting traded. Um, so I like good. obviously getting out of Anaheim um, could help him. Um, he can make that difficult. 34% owned, by the way. Yeah. Control on that. Yeah. He's the type of goalie that could go somewhere and potentially fight for a starting job. I mean, he, he's obviously been very good in the past. Whether or not he's still got that game, I guess, remains to be seen. If he does get moved, I think he could be somebody worth taking a flyer on. But we're talking about the Anaheim Ducks strength of schedule and completely ignoring that. Because yeah. this is this focused on John Gibson potentially going to a contender. And- he does have a 10-team no trade list, for the record. And we know that the Maple Leafs are at least one of those 10 teams. So Could go there? battle with you samson if, if no uh, he, that was what the agent no. said in the summer that he would he would not be going there at oh all. no no trade yeah. yeah sorry they, that's fair too I much blame pressure him. yeah i guess but I um mean, let's see how the lack of pressure has been doing him in anaheim it's been great yeah it's been terrific but anyways <laughs> no I, one's I, saying I still anything don't... about his 880 save percentage pressure makes diamonds baby and first round chokers think that uh gibson you know obviously i think he's kind of one just to wait and see um i think as long as you're following dfo fantasy on twitter you got the alerts on and we you know we tweet out that john gibson's been traded you can probably 
um, go pick him up. But until then, yeah. he probably does not need to be rostered. Although in points leagues, he does face an abundance of shots and, yeah. and will make 50 saves, even if he gives up five goals on 55. He can, you know, be okay in, in points leagues. Speaking of point leagues, uh, Connor Ingram has turned into one of the league's worst goaltenders into all of a sudden one of the league's best goaltenders. Uh, he's only 10% owned and he has been absolutely dynamite as yeah. of late like out of he won so of, many people's weeks on sunday it's the funniest thing in the world out of nowhere this man has just caught absolute fire so no. in his last five starts he's faced 195 shots in five starts which is which is just bonkers that's an average of 39 shots per game he has stopped 95.9 percent of those with a uh, one shutout he has been awesome the Wasn't a shutout he, Tampa too? It was a forty-plus save shutout. Yep, forty-seven Tampa. save shutout. one nothing dub at the mullet, yeah. man. You don't want to play the Coyotes at the mullet. They're a different no. beast. That's they are. They, they, they legitimately are. Like they're so good in Arizona. If you take it back even further, like obviously that five-game stretch has been great in February. But if you take it back to since the calendar flipped to 2023, his last ten starts, he's only three, four, and three, but he has a nine forty-one save percentage. Nobody's talking about Connor Ingram. They need to be because he's been great. Uh, I know I've thrown a lot of shade at him in the past because he legitimately, like I said, looked like one of the world, the league's worst goalies. And now he has figured it out. He's the new Carl Vomelka because uh, Vomelka has been struggling. Vomelka is another guy that they're talking about potentially trading and it could be Ingram's show here down the stretch. And as I mentioned, the Arizona Coyotes have been playing better Obviously, they are still not a very good hockey team. You're going to have to be picky. You're going to have to be choosy with your Connor Ingram matchups. But hey, I mean, at the very least, you go, are they on the road or on the, are they at yeah. home? If they're at home, you got to at least consider it and then go from there. And I, I think he can at least take over if, if Vimelka was to get traded, which, hello, another guy that if he's available, which, you know, his ownership's going down every day now. It's down to 51%. Um, if he gets dealt to any sort of team that can play reasonable hockey in front of him, I, I think Vimelka would be uh, a great pickup. It'd be a dream pickup for my Maple Leafs, in my opinion. I, I think he'd be perfect. Um, and, you know, maybe not someone that <clears throat> that you feel great about playing that first round series, but you certainly feel a lot better about your starting goaltender depth, uh, having him as the backup over uh, Joseph Wall. And I think that's the kind of situation that he could potentially get himself into. Uh, but yeah, if, if Ingram is to take over the starting job, he takes over that niche that Vimelka had where, like you said, Brock, you got to be really um, choosy with your starts in, in most formats, but in points leagues, he's a much, much safer play. Cause you know, he's going to get about 40 shots on a given night. Uh, and even if he turns in, you know, a sub 900 save percentage, he can probably still um, <clears throat> give you a, a net positive in, in points leagues while, with the potential. Um, if they do get hot, you know, Ingram, like we've seen had some, you know, 15, 20 point nights in, in some point formats. So, uh, yeah, I think Ingram could could take over that niche role, but obviously your upside is very much capped playing for the Coyotes. Yeah, like you're probably only safe starting him in like 33% of the starts that he's actually going to get anyway. Yeah. So uh, you're definitely kind of limited. If you've got a big roster or something like that, maybe he makes a little bit more sense there. More often than not, probably just a good streaming target. And he's still playing amazing for the last two months and he's still only 10%. So I don't think he's going to, I mean, he can't play any better than he is. So I don't think his own percentage is going to rise too much. Okay, we're pretty much done here. You know, we, we, we've reached the end of the top 10 in terms of easy schedules. The only other team that we're going to touch on here the next is the blackhawks the predators the abs there's really not a whole lot you can pick and choose from from there obviously when francois comes back he's certainly somebody to target but still even when he was healthy he wasn't seeing as many starts as we would have liked but then 
14th on the list is the Calgary Flames. Um, really, really struggling right now. Uh, the entire team. Um, I mean, the team's playing well. They just, like, they love to shoot. They dominate puck possession. They, they don't always win probably as much as they should. Um, and on top of that, of like, they're probably the most boring team in the league to watch on any given night. Yeah, it's just they're kind second of second in the league in shots. Yeah, like they fire shots yeah. at will. They're kind of like the like the Carolina Hurricanes when we first started talking about Corsi, how we're like, they should be the best team in the league. They outshoot everybody, and it just kind of didn't really translate. It's kind of what you're getting. They're also the second in the league in – I was going to say, they're also second in the league in shots again. So they're uh, second best in the league. In, so they're a big number two. They can't they can't make it to like number to play, one. Yeah. Like, to, like to give up shots, like to take shots. But we need to talk about Vladar because he started yesterday, Law, or he won, but he only faced like 14 shots, gave up three goals, somehow won still, uh, which is hilarious. But he started again tonight, and they're just show like no faith in Jacob Markstrom at this point. Um, and one of our questions is, are the Flames goalies, either one of them, even worth holding on to at this rate? Getting wins while letting in three goals on nine shots feels like it isn't even worth it, obviously, depending on your league scoring. Like it's so hard to sit here and be like, I want to drop Jacob Markstrom, but like it's gotten to that point where you kind of have to, if, if there's yeah. a reasonable option out there, like some of the names that we've talked about, like if, if Philip Gustafson's on your free agency and, and you have Markstrom still, like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Um, obviously if your waiver wire is very scar, you know, uh, thin, you're probably going to hold on to Markstrom and hope for the best. Um, it all kind of depends on your league format, but yeah, like if you're in just kind of a standard league where there's good options on the wire, you got to probably drop him because he's just not starting enough. And when he is, he's not playing well at all. I just don't know. I'd choose between the two here. Like if you had to go one and one, say you just don't have that option. Like, what do you, what do you do? Really? I guess this week go Vladar and hope that Markstrom doesn't get picked up, but like, Oh, I, I, I think it's still like, you still go Markstrom just because, you know, he's yeah. got the track record and Vladar for, you know, all the work that he's been getting hasn't played that great either. Yeah, like, no, he's got an 898. Markstrom's got the 888. So they're both struggling. Um, and I like Vladar has gotten every opportunity to take over this job, but it hasn't happened. And I have to think with both of them struggling, they're more likely to give Markstrom more opportunities to kind of regain his form before the playoffs because he was awesome last year, obviously. And obviously we knew at the time his stats were inflated by the nine shutouts he picked up, but um yeah this is it, it gets interesting to me when you if like the copley and grubauers are still available um i think i would still lean markstrom just because again he's got a better track record than they do he's shown to have um, a higher level of form in the past and um, all the strengths that the kraken and the kings have going for them and, and being you know puck dominant teams and limiting chances against the flames are, are that but but even better like we talked about top two and shots for uh second and shots against so um I, I still think this is a dream scenario for a goaltender which is why we can't overlook these guys completely because even yeah. if they just get anywhere back to league average they're going to be uh super serviceable down the stretch and the key for me is that vladar is just not playing well enough to really warrant you know getting those starts uh over and over again over markstrom so I think I would rather Markstrom, but if you're looking at like a Copley or a Grubauer on the wire, I, I, I think it's probably really tempting. And maybe I, I think I would move for, I would drop him for Copley just because Say he Copley, seems to yeah. be so much more secure in that role. And I think the Kings are a slightly better team than the Kraken, but I think I would still hold on to Markstrom over Grubauer right now. But, you know, ask me again in a couple of weeks, that might change. No, I, I think the one thing that 
leads to more starts for Vidar is just the fact that they seem to be winning more in front of him, despite the fact that he's really not outplaying Mark Strom at all. But that's not a real thing, right? Like, and Sutter knows that, right? No, maybe. Like, it just seems like he seems to go to Vidar more, and it's like, just, okay, so since the middle of January, um, Vladar is five and two and seven starts with an eight sixty eight save percentage. Brutal. Not good. That's terrible. Since the middle of January, nine starts. So it's been set nine to seven in terms of starts. Markstrom uh, nine, Vladar seven. Markstrom's won two games of nine with an eight seventy three save percentage. So his numbers are slightly better, and he's won half as many games for whatever reason. You know, maybe he's facing stiffer competition. Uh, probably <laughs> they not. get a little lax. Because they're since like, he yeah. lost to Chicago, since he <laughs> lost to Ottawa, since oh. he lost to Philadelphia, since he lost to St. Louis, like he, he it's just bizarre. Um, they just seem to play better in front of Ladar, I guess. I don't really know what the answer is. I do think both goalies have some value. This should be a playoff team. They should figure it out. But like time is running, running out. Um, and but I'm still only dropping them for the kind of top end free agents that we've spoken about. Yeah, one thing I think that helps Markstrom in this situation is if Markstrom does get hot, nothing stopping him from getting, you know, 16 of 20 starts down the stretch, 18 of 20 starts. If Ladar gets hot, I don't think he's going to absolutely dominate the starts like that just because of what they have seen from Markstrom before. So um, in, in that regard, yeah. And I think I agree with D where I would probably go Copley, but I don't think I'd jump on the group hour train yet. Um, I would definitely hang on to Markstrom for a little bit longer. Okay, so just quickly before we head out, uh, the most difficult schedules I think are, are worth talking about as well. Uh, the most difficult schedule from here on out is the Toronto Maple Leafs. D, before we went live, you're like, I do not like seeing them there, but that's the Atlantic <laughs> division for you. And that's exactly true. The Bruins, the, the, the Florida Panthers, despite you know maybe the Florida Panthers' struggles overall, they're still a very uh, dangerous offensive team. Montreal Canadiens, second worst, obviously, um, you know, same thing. The Rangers, the Blue Jackets, the Senators, uh, the Jets, Sabres, Golden Knights, and Islanders rounding out the bottom 10. So obviously, um, you know, a little bit of concern with the, with the difficulty for Samsonov, but he's kind of, you know, got that uh, role to himself. So you're not really going to worry too much. I think obviously Jake Allen, Sam Montembeau are kind of spot starts and good matchups. You're not really worried. But I mean, names that, that do stick out, if you take a look at who some of the best goalies in the league and, and top end um you know, fantasy goalies, you've got Shesterkin, you've got Hellebuck, um, and you've got Sorokin all towards the bottom. Vassy, so too. Th- things, yeah, Vassy's just a little bit higher. But, yeah, um, yeah, the, all four of them kind of difficult schedules coming down the stretch, both obviously playing that in a very tough Eastern Conference will do that. But uh, interesting note there. And then, obviously, the Islanders running out of games here. I mean, they only have 21 games left. In comparison, the Avalanche the most, 27 games left. So a little bit interesting. Um, but before we go – Let's answer some of our questions. I just want to say real quick, and I think I apologize if I'm jumping the gun here because he might get asked about here, but I I just want to say that Corpus Allo is one that I would pick up ahead of uh, everyone but Gustafson Copley and maybe Grubauer just because it sounds like he is absolutely going to get traded. Uh, And unlike Reimer, I I think he is one that if a team is actually looking to maybe make a shakeup at the starting position, Corpus Allo makes a lot of sense. I think he's like second. Yeah, and I think he's like second or third in the league and goal save above expected, which is one that the GMs I know uh, put a lot of stock into. And it's kind of been the best uh, forecaster in terms of a goalie playing for a shit team, maybe doing a little bit better with the change of scenery. So I do think he is one worth just going out and stashing for the week and probably not even maybe starting him much as long as he's a blue jacket. But if he gets traded next Friday, 
uh, I think he's one that could all of a sudden just skyrocket uh, up in ownership. Well, I mean, yeah, you definitely jumped the gun because he was at the very, very first question. And uh, we would have definitely talked about that, but that's okay. You got in Great front segue. of it. You, uh, you broke it down and you did a terrific job. Just to give you an idea too, like even while playing in, in Columbus, he's been awesome. 918 save percentage dating back to the, uh, you know, since since Christmas. 6'5 and 2, 918 save percentage. He's been really good. He's been reliable. He's been steady. They lost tonight 2 nothing. Uh, played very well again tonight. First question. <laughs> uh, interest in Demko, Corpusalo, Ingram, uh, or other low-tier goalies when everyone is holding three or four currently. We talked about Demko. We talked about Ingram. I agree. I think Corpus Allo is probably the guy that I would add first, especially just for a week and see how things shake out. Um, if he doesn't end up getting traded, you know, maybe at that point you can probably move on to somebody like Demko. Um, but I do agree that this week, like if Corpus Allo goes and he ends up starting 50, 40% of games on a good team, he is a very, very good goalie. We saw it a couple of years ago against the Maple Leafs in the playoffs. Like he, he's got that dog in him. Uh, he can be very, very good. So, and he's been, like I said, he's been like, it's crazy to think about how good he's been versus how bad Merzlikens has been because yeah. they play for the same team. And one has been, you know, really bounced back and one has just been regressed completely. And, and one- obviously Corpus Allo had the terrible year last year, but that was coming off major hip surgery. So it's it's really nice when you can kind of see um, that drop off in the rebound and performance and have something, you know, tangible to tie it to, like, like a major injury that he's coming back from and, and appears to be um, fully healed from. No, I'd, yeah, I was just going to say they literally flip-flop seasons. Yeah, and it, but it's good. Like, obviously, like you said, it's good. It's nice to, like, be able to look and be like, this is not an outlier. It's clearly just, you know. Yeah, um, and we see hip injuries do so much, and, and and especially with goaltenders. So, in a way, it's almost just refreshing to see it not absolutely dismantle a career right there. And if he goes to a team, man, he, he is dangerous and somebody that could certainly be uh, a factor down the stretch. The other part of that question was thoughts on Anthony Duclair. Duclair expected to make his season debut on Friday. Obviously had a really good season a year ago, uh, but did play primarily in that top six, whether it be with Barkoff or whether it be with Huberto. He was basically on one of those two lines throughout the season. Did see a lot of power play. One time as well, um, Obviously, they're going to ease him back in the lineup. He's expected to start with Ichu Lusterainen and Nick Cousins on the third line and probably see power play two times. So long as he's playing in that role, I really have no interest yeah, in no. Anthony Duclair. Um, Lusterainen's been great. I think that's going to be a very good third line. I think Duclair is going to bring a lot to that roster. But if he cannot move up the lineup, He's probably not going to be that valuable. With that said, there is a clear avenue for him to replace Anton Lundell on that top line. He's played with Barkov plenty. Lundell is very, very good in that third line role. Lundell and Lusterbrynen have been outstanding together in the past. I think that there is a clear path. So if you've got kind of uh, that spot on your roster where you're, you're, you're carrying somebody who's just trash and you have no worries about dropping a player, then I do think Duclair is worth a flyer because I don't think it, it, it's that far-fetched to say by this time next week, he's back on the top line with Barkov. Yeah, and a guy coming off a 30-goal season, um, he's done it. He's gotten above 23 times in his career. This is a team that they might need a spark to get them into the playoffs. This could be it, so keep an eye on Anthony Duclair. I definitely think he's someone who you can uh, you can snake in that lineup. We also got Sam Bennett, though, coming back this weekend. Uh, so a lot of ice time across the board that's going to need to be eaten up by a couple key players in Florida. So it'll be interesting to see who goes where. Yeah, he did a lot of work last year playing just 15 minutes a night. So he, if he was one that if he was healthy, we probably would have been looking at as, you know, even more of a breakout this year because of the turnover that roster had. Obviously, Kachuk's come in and he's eaten up a lot of minutes. 
Uh, and that third line plays a lot as well. But that's the key to me is that, you know, he was a little bit fortunate in his percentages last year, but um, he could even just be up around 16, 17 minutes a night. And as long as he's playing with the right people, i.e. on one of those top two lines, I don't care if it's Bennett and Kachuk or Barkov and Reinhardt, I'll take either or. I think he can be super uh, productive and serviceable in that role. But uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. So again, probably more upside than you would normally find on the wire at this point in the season. So I think if you have the room, he's worth the stash. But uh, at this point, you got to be cutthroat as well. So maybe give him two or three games. And if he doesn't move up the lineup, I don't think you can really justify holding on to him uh, for any longer than that. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he slots in in the next week or so. Currently maybe. sitting at 22% owned. Yeah, you might even need those those two or three games to almost get like the Tom Wilson treatment where you just need to get back after being off for so long. I mean, so we saw same exact same injury, right, with Max Pacioretty. He kind of jumped right back in the lineup and was pretty productive right away. But then, boom, he was out with the exact same injury like five games in. So uh, definitely a very difficult injury uh, to come off of. And, and, and But we did see um, Pacioretty come in pretty quickly and make a bit of an impact. Uh, Yari, Samsonov, Kemper, or Copley, who would you keep the rest of the year? I think we were unanimously talking about this before, and we all were unanimously on Ilya Samsonov, despite yeah. the Maple Leafs having – the toughest scheduled rest of the season, just on the best hockey team of the team of the group. Um, Jar, we talked about his struggles. Kemper, uh, the Capitals obviously selling off pieces. He's been great. I love Kemper, um, but they're Can't selling win. off pieces and it's it just, you know, they lost to the ducks tonight. So things are not looking up. Um, it is worth noting. John Gibbs made 41 saves in that game. Copley has been great, but I still obviously prefer Samson off. And I know you guys agree. Correct. Well, yes. yeah. Well, Matt Murray too is the key piece there. Matt Murray was healthy; it'd be a little bit different, but he's not. So that yeah, that's I don't know if he's coming back anytime soon either. There hasn't been a whole lot of uh, news there. It doesn't sound super positive. We already talked about are the Flames goalies worth holding on to? Is there any goalies that you would st- uh, stash for the trade deadline? Vamelka, Kachekov, etc. We already talked. Vamelka is somebody potentially. Corpusalo is another. Those are two guys. Maybe a John Gibson as well. Uh, Corpusalo. And Vamelka probably seem like the two most likely to be traded. Maybe a James Reimer as well, but with a little bit less value. Um, so for me, definitely Corpusalo is is the guy there because he seems like the most likely and probably the best goalie of the bunch as well. Yeah, Kachekov, I haven't heard much talk about them looking to move one of Ranter Anderson. Obviously, both expiring contracts. So in theory, it, it could happen because Kachekov looked pretty good earlier in the season. But I think this is a team that really doesn't know who they would prefer to have down the stretch right now in Ranta or Freddie. Freddie has just looking looked so shaky since coming back from injury. Um so yeah, I, I don't think they'd really be looking to move that strength. So uh as much as I like Kachekov moving forward as you know the potential number one there of the future, I just have my doubts that he'll get another crack this year um short of an injury. So to me Corpusalo by all indications is the most likely to get mentioned. So he, he's the one I'd be looking at. You have to think that they're probably not going to move anybody just because of the fact that they literally ended up down to Kachekov in the playoffs last season. Yeah. And they, they probably now more than ever understand the importance of organizational depth specifically at that position. Cause if they trade Ranta and then Anderson and Kachekov go down, then they're down to their theoretically their number four, but yeah. they're number three now. Um, and and Ranta's like still on 4 million a year, I think. So I don't think they could really get that done trading him to a contender without retaining some cap. And that's going to limit their own flexibility and what they're trying to do at the deadline. So I just have a hard time imagine that's going to happen if, if it does obviously you know egg on my face you should have picked up Kachekov, but um yeah i don't think that's going to happen i like i agree with you i think they're going to hold on to that depth so corpusal is the one for me uh vimelka if he's out there as well uh probably less so just because i i think he still has some long-term upside and you know they wouldn't mind keeping him in the organization if they don't get a deal 
that they're looking for where Corpus Allis seems like he's going to be gone at the end of the season. So uh, they got to get something for him. Anything to add before we head out? I was going to say, uh, I totally agree with all of that. Um, as far as Vimelka too, I just don't see him taking any of a contender team's job job. Um, he's still, I mean, he's great. He's a good goalie. Um, just is he, is he that Corpus Allo good? Maybe not. I don't think so where I see him pushing a bit more starts. Um, but no, it's going to be a fun trade deadline. And, uh, and I think by the time we'll, we'll be on the eve of the, of the, of the T TD next week, uh, when we record, um, next week, so that's exciting. maybe a live at Friday too. Yeah. So I was just going to say, just to preview guys, uh, for next week where we are excited to be bringing probably our, well, not probably definitely our best, uh, fantasy hockey trade deadline coverage. The three of us are going to be getting together. Um, typically it's just been me grinding by myself, but the three of us are going to get together. Um, and we're going to do some fun stuff. So maybe not a full live episode, potentially a live episode. It all depends on how the day kind of shakes out. It's a a very unpredictable day, but at the very least we're going to be doing live reactions to trades, um, you know, videos, some write-ups as well. And and just kind of trying to help you guys navigate the trade deadline, who gained value, who loses value, because there's so many moving parts that day. Going to try to break down the new line combinations, all the different possibilities. And at the same time, obviously daily face-off last year, we had, a a long uh, i think it was three hour live show that's going to be back this year as well so you're going to have the the real hockey breakdown of things the fantasy hockey breakdown of things all coming at you from dailyfaceoff.com but obviously if you're listening to this podcast you're loyal fantasy listeners so be sure to check us out on the trade deadline as well so anyways that is going to do it for season eight episode 30 of the dfo fantasy podcast thank you guys so much for tuning in as always i'm brock c and we got dylan d birthday michael Bees, bondy we'll see you guys back here for the trade deadline next week whole episode didn't talk about nick schmaltz peace step onto the legendary clay courts of roland garros where the world's best players battle it out at the french open for a chance to win a grand slam title tennis channel plus is your place to watch stream every court from your phone or smart tv live in hd see the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.